drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Cassetta. Yay! Yay! And it's Armando's week. Yes. Hello. Uh we are recording this on the on the Monday that it was supposed to come out. <laughs> uh, because I have had one hell of a weekend. Um Party, I described it to party. my mom and she was just like, oh, oh, so he didn't sleep for like two days. And I was yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, your boys, uh, ramping up to do, uh, I guess it's TV, but not technically a streaming service. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm gearing up to be, to do this set. So I'm trying to, uh, run my comedy time i'm trying to make it accessible trying to, to do everyone. your skits yeah i'm trying to run these skits i'm trying to make my skits real good for the people you yeah. know what you could use this for your skit knock knock <laughs> <laughs> who's there orange orange who orange you're glad i didn't say banana fuck that's going in my amazon tape oh uh, <laughs> fuck yes um so i'm trying uh, yeah i'm just trying to run the time as much as possible so i went to san diego where i could book a bunch of shows uh unfortunately my mom was apparently throwing like an orgy or something at her house. No, that's she not. She was that's having not true. one friend over. Yeah, she had two of her high school friends over to have a weekend where they like went to the zoo. I shouldn't say that my mom was getting it in and that's getting it on. Very strange orgies. Zoo orgies are the worst. <laughs> you just can't get rid of the smell. Yeah, and the tigers just bogard the penises. Oh, <laughs> elephants have no sense of personal space. <laughs> and they and they never forget. Yeah, I love your mom. Uh, sorry. Uh, that your son is saying these horrible things about you. I believe in you. Monkeys going to throw it out there. Surprisingly, monkeys, total prudes. Uh, yeah, real into shit play, though. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Got to go to the reptile house for all the trouser snakes. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. Um, speaking of being uh, near the zoo, that's where my Airbnb was that I stayed at. And uh, one of the things I found out when I got there is that the ceiling of my Airbnb was six foot two. <laughs> and I am six foot five. Um, I didn't. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> You didn't tell me any of that. Yeah. That's okay, but here's the thing though. That's that's four feet lower than a lot of ceilings. Than most ceilings. Because <laughs> I was staying in a converted wine cellar with a jacuzzi in it. Uh well, okay. So they, are you sure you weren't having the orgy? Because it sounds <laughs> like you had the perfect venue. It sounds pretty fucking baller, but what they did was they on the on the Airbnb thing that said that it was a jacuzzi tub. Um, but what they did was they just put a jacuzzi in a bathroom area and put a toilet next to it. <laughs> so really what I was doing was I was taking a shit next to a jacuzzi um, and trying to duck my head down so I don't hit the ceiling when I stand up. How, how much what was this Airbnb? It was uh, a f- very affordable. It was, yeah. yeah, it was $30 a day. <laughs> 
uh, I stayed there. Oh, it's right next to the airport too. So just like the and just planes going overhead the whole time. Yeah, the first time it happened, it uh, because I'm remember I'm deep inside my wine cellar hobbit hole, like fucking. Are like, you sure I, you weren't just Godzilla? Like you could hear the planes because you're so giant and you're busting out of this house. I was three stories underground, essentially from Yikes. like ground level to where my room was because you have to go yeah. down all these stairs. That and sounds into terrifying, the... actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like being underground. It makes no. me really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it sucked, and the airplanes going overhead. I didn't realize they were close to an airport because they they weren't flying when I was sleeping. Yeah. Uh, but they flew in the morning when I woke up, and I, my first thought was, "That's eh, a tsunami." Me, I'm gonna die for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I crawled out from my elephant's asshole of an Airbnb, it's just <laughs> cramped, dingy, and uh no personal boundaries. Uh I got I got out and uh I went to a comedy show. I'm skipping over a lot, but the reason that we couldn't record is because of what happened yesterday on Sunday when we were set to record, which was I had four shows in one night, and uh a couple of things happened. First of all, I went to a show and I was heckled by a news anchor for a San Diego news <laughs> who, channel. But was in disguise. Who was in disguise? Disguise with a with a black wig. But she took a picture of herself in disguise and posted it on her public social media accounts and went in disguise, which <laughs> is no yeah, longer a disguise. Terrible. That's a terrible disguise. This is kind of like when I went to karaoke on Saturday night and a guy forgot the words to come on Eileen. And I'm like, <laughs> it's karaoke. The words are right there. <laughs> also, it's come on Eileen. It's in the name. And then he dedicated the song to both peanut butter and titties because he loved them both. Aww. Come on her. I hardly know her. What's her name again? Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she, this, this person heckled me, um, and, uh, another comic that was there made her very upset by saying a lot of very hilariously mean things. Uh, but okay. If you ruin a show for mm -hmm. everyone else there, you have, you have it coming. You, you really do deserve it. And don't do that. This, this person was, uh, after the show, uh, tried to like run after, um, she was starting fights and shit. Yeah, she was trying to run out. Of, okay, first of all, she ran after two comics in the parking lot who was a uh, fellow comic, Chris Estrada, who's very funny, and friend of the show, Katie French. Yeah, the one who was raised Norse pagan. I'm like, mm -hmm. don't fight her. She's got Viking blood. Exactly. <laughs> she, this lady walks up to the two most deadly comics on the lineup and was like, hey, you don't know who I am. Check out this picture on my public <laughs> social media. I'm a disguise. <laughs> and so after that, I went to another show because I had to rush over. Uh, after dealing with like a bunch of this stuff, uh, I had to rush over to another one. And I left my phone in a lift. Mm. Uh, and that process is so long and arduous to, to get your phone back. So I, I didn't end up really getting home to LA until Sunday at five in the morning because of daylight savings time five in the morning yeah so I, got I, <laughs> I woke up at 3 a.m in a panic just and I called her mom I was like where are you yeah. like because I knew his show had ended but I also forgot about daylight savings time so I thought he was just murdered so I just <laughs> like woke up at 3 a.m just like where is he <laughs> and just like terrified yeah it didn't help that she opened her phone and it said kusi news anchor kills local comedian <laughs> anyway so and then i also found out that one of the pieces of information that we're covering in today's episode i had it 
very wrong. Oh, and no. so um, after sleeping for about four ish hours i started trying to like work on the the thing and try to make it better and i'm just like my brain isn't working i'm i'm not operating and so like it was my it was full-heartedly my fault for your not hair cleaning. is too normal for the amount of craziness i made him shower because he smelled so bad yeah because i <laughs> stayed in a hobbit hole and i've developed a stank he goes do i do i really have time to shower before Paige gets here i was like i don't care shower please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so that is why our episode is late, but I am very excited for this episode. We are covering the Latin King. Part tres. Yes. In our series so far, we have covered the origins of the Latin Kings, who are like a weird Frankenstein's monster made up of equal parts political activism, religion, and then just some straight up gang shit. Uh, but today we're going to take a look at what the gang's members get out of being in the gang and the two types of people that the message seems to attract. To be ridiculously and needlessly pretentious, like somebody who spent three days in a wine cellar, um, we're going to look at the power that they unlock both internally and externally. And no story exemplifies both quite like the rise and reform of the New York chapter of the Latin Kings. So uh, before we hop in, I got some sources for you. The article, The Latin Kings Play Songs of Love, featured in New York Magazine. Okay. Um, what? Is this an album that we have? No, it's oh. a, it's a it's a an article uh, based around uh, the new message of the Latin Kings. Aww. Uh, we also have the article "Man of Vision or Violence" by Barry Barrick for the New York Times, which is one of my favorite names to have ever said on this show. I just I pictured "Man of Vision or Violence: colon, Blind Man Walks into Traffic with Nunchucks." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we have the article Testing the Limits of Punishment by Blind Man with Nunchucks. <laughs> for, Weird. For Blind Nunchucks Weekly. Uh, no, the article is actually by Jane Hoffman. Uh, and then lastly, we have a book on the economical history of Cuba by, and I want, okay, I was never in a million years ever going to get this name right, and I apologize already. Dr. Cosmos Tasak has. So at the at the end of the last episode, we were heading into the late 1970s and saw the Latin Kings implement their new rules as outlined in the Latin Kings Manifesto. And we also saw them pull off some crazy Italian job style heists too. without Mini Coopers. Yeah, it was it was or like, Charlize Theron, which is like I know how the are best you even going to do a heist without yeah. Charlize Theron or Jason Statham? Exactly, they're doing it all or wrong. Or Marky Mark. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I you know what? Now that you say it, I feel like most heists with Marky Mark do go wrong at some point. That's why you gotta stick with Jason Statham. Mm, mm. You just gotta be willing to have sex next to like a horse racing thing and like in the middle of Chinatown, <laughs> like in Crank. Did you, this feels like one of the Airbnbs I stayed at recently? <laughs> <laughs> this um, feels like Paige's rich interior fantasy life. <laughs> The reason that they were implementing their manifesto and pulling off these uh, Jason Stathamless heists was because they were trying to arm the gang in Chicago. This week, we're going to pick up our story at the same time, but in a very different location. Cuba. For pretty much as long as it's been a country, Cuba's economy has revolved around sugar. 
Uh, in fact, in the grand scheme of this series, sugar has basically been the second most important white powder. <laughs> but Fidel Castro, who had been in power for over a decade now, wanted Cuba to become self-reliant through industrialization. Uh, additionally, to make a very long story short, um, America and Cuba weren't really getting along. What? Yeah. What um, are you talking about? <laughs> I just, I didn't want to go into like, because I feel like I'm digging deep into some of these things, but to sum it up real fast, America and Cuba do not play very well all of the time. To this day. Yeah. It, industrialization didn't exactly pan out and they had taken such a long break from farming that a lot of their equipment needed heavy repairs but the companies that made this equipment and their replacement parts were based in the united states so fixing this equipment was really really difficult and it also turns out that even when they did get their farms up and running America was still the number one buyer of that sweet white stuff nice Luckily, the Soviet Union had apparently just discovered sugar, I guess. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's, that explains I, a lot. <laughs> I imagine that, like, one of them, one of the Soviets came to America and tried a Coke and was like, what? It doesn't have to taste like death? Whoa. Well, I mean, they vodka is the sugar of the Soviet. That's true because it's starch based. And it mm -hmm. goes great with everything. Yeah. Here's the, I'm, I'm sure at certain points... In Russia's history, they had sugar most likely imported from other places like tropical climates. Oh, yeah. But the rich probably had sugar. The rich had sugar, but Soviet Union probably not. Definitely not. They, in fact, they had tried growing it there, but it was so wildly expensive to grow it there because the only things that grow in that climate are wheat, potatoes, and weirdly violent dash cam footage. <laughs> Oh my god! I love Russian dash cam footage. It's the best. Do they all have dash cams? Oh yeah, it's so amazing. In fact, uh, to this day, that's what they use to sweeten all their coffee. Is just, <laughs> just violent dash, cam, dash footage? cam footage. Yeah. If you ever want to see somebody like miraculously survive one of the most horrifying car accidents you've ever seen, yeah, there's like 50 million of those in yeah. Russian dash cam footage. Alternative theory: vodka. That yeah. is true. Vodka and slippery ice roads will definitely they cause They will both that. cause the accidents and keep you safe Do you because your body is too limp when you're drunk. <laughs> I know this because I have some relatives that might have gotten some drunk driving accidents and you get hurt less when you're drunk. This is true. This is my last question on this topic, I swear to God. But do you guys think that uh, insurance adjusters watch dash cam footage like porn? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Like, he slid that motorcycle right under that 18-wheeler. Mm, that's right, baby. You're super at fault here. Mm. Um, close, close cousin to Russian dash cam footage. Have you ever seen uh, Chinese dash cam footage? Yeah. Oh, my God. When it's they, so intense. Because they will try and throw themselves at parked well, cars and shit. There's that, but there's also a law in China where it's more expensive to hit someone with your car than it is to kill them. Whoa. So there are so many videos of them like accidentally like clipping somebody with the car and then trying to back up over those people. Gotta finish the job. Yes. They're, like oh they're trying to God. double tap people because they're like, my insurance cannot afford this. It's horrifying, but you can't look oh away. And God. most of the time people live because they're like, what are you doing? And they get out of the way. But God, that's insane. Yeah. That should not be a law. No, it's wild. 
But suffice it to say, sugarcane only really grows well in tropical climates, which Russia is not. No. Unfortunately for Cuba, the Soviet Union was really fucking jealous. Part of the deal was if you sold sugar to them, you couldn't sell sugar to anyone else, especially not America, which is basically like going to your weed dealer and being like, hey, I know that you sell me weed, but me and Miranda broke up. And if I even hear you sell her a dime bag, I'm leaving. (laughs) But also... I would imagine that their trade relations with America are not great no, at this point. That's so, why they had to go yeah. to the Soviets. So you might as well just only sell it to the Soviets, right? Well, the problem is, is the Soviets' appetite for sugar did not even come remotely close to ours. USA! <laughs> USA! Is anyone else tired right now? Get my insulin? <laughs> Fidel Castro crunched the numbers and found out that in order to get his country's economy back in the black, he would need to produce 10 million tons of sugar in one harvest, which is an insane plan. It literally sounds like the plot to a Disney Channel original movie (laughs) where they're like, to save the country, I have to make all this sugar. And then my parents will be in love again. Yeah. Fun fact, that amount of sugar is equivalent to one Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) I had a very similar joke written down. I like that one a lot more. I was going to say, did you do the actual conversion to how many bottles of Mountain Dew? Not exactly. Okay. Mine was, uh, uh, for reference, 10 million tons of sugar is the amount of sugar it takes uh, to make a cup of McDonald's coffee good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh accurate it it is it is it it was an insane plan but they needed it to work so bad in fact that fidel castro made it illegal to be unemployed in cuba he called it the anti-loafing law which sounds more like a law outlawing bread and i don't want to live in that world fun fact bread lots of carbs right Mm. also sugar based how do they enforce that law? If you like, if you're trying to get a job and you can't get a job, what do you do? What well, do they do? Castro's new law gave the country's huge unemployed population three options: farm sugarcane, fight a war in Africa, or get thrown into fucking jail. If there's one thing we know about Suge, he's an enforcer. Oh, <laughs> oh, good. God! Also, just imagine being in prison and somebody's just like, "Hey, man, what are you in here for?" And they're like, "Murder you," and they're like. I just really wanted to take a year off to find myself. You, know? <laughs> you can do yoga in prison like so good. Yeah. Uh, it's fair to say that a lot of these people didn't like Fidel Castro or his ideas. That's hella fucked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it turns out if you've been forced to farm sugarcane your whole life and then somebody gives you a 10 year break and then they come back and they're like hey you gotta go farm sugarcane again you don't want to do that no one wants to farm sugarcane it's horrible yeah i was gonna say it's not an easy job sugarcane was one of the crops that the slave trade basically facilitated in the diaspora essentially and people had what was a lifespan of like seven years no from the start of working in the sugarcane they would on average live to be about 30 to 35 yeah that's but most people would die by the time they were 35 because it's such brutal horrible work yeah it's it's fucking crazy in fact it's so crazy that there is actually uh, a child's rhyme about the problem 
Old McDonald had a farm. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. But now I'm Mr. McDonald and I'm a business owner, okay? <laughs> and there's work, work here and a work, work there. Work, 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 work everywhere. And then or go to jail. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Robble Robble, here comes the Hamburglar, here to infect our farm with communism. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, like I said, it's pretty fair to say that a lot of these people didn't like Fidel Castro or his ideas. Unfortunately, it turns out that it was also illegal to not like Fidel Castro or his ideas. Funny how that works. What if you just don't like his shitty beard? He did have a shitty beard. First of all, I looked at pictures of Fidel Castro and realized we have the same beard. You don't. Secondly, Your beard is so much nicer. Thank it's a you. Hotbed of coronavirus. Secondly, I fa- I looked at pictures of young Fidel Castro and realized that without my glasses on and with a tighter haircut, I have a striking resemblance. <laughs> To Fidel Castro. When you first said young Fidel Castro, I pictured it like young, like Y-U-N-G. <laughs> like, like the rapper. Like a rapper. Like he like had a bunch Castro. of chains. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm young Fidel Castro. He did have chains. He put them on people who didn't have jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The people should seize the means yeah. of production or we will seize he, all their belongings. <laughs> and also their bodies? Yeah. Yeah, I. but that was one thing. I showed Andrea and she saw it. Fidel Castro, if Armando Torres... And Liam Neeson had a beautiful love child. It would look exactly like Fidel Castro. Yeah. Look at photos. Follow the money. Hallie Burton. I need to see this. You need to see it. And the other thing, too, is that I found out Fidel Castro. Or Okay. First of all, we already covered this. Armando Torres, six foot five. Fidel Castro, six foot three. Really? It's so yeah. close. Are you sure that's accurate? Or is that one of those things where he's like, no, I'm six foot three. No, and he's he really was, uh, five foot six. He was, <laughs> just, yeah, I was gonna say, he's just left. Like, Here's a picture of me with a tiger. He just you wears can, crazy stilts. You can see pictures of him where uh that's Yeah, that does kind of look like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a big motherfucker. You should get a hat like that. I know. I should steal it off of Samuel L. Jackson's head, turn it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, can go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, throughout his time as the leader of Cuba, in any given year, uh, an estimated 20,000 people were arrested, tortured, and put into forced labor concentration camps just for dissent. In order to try and escape persecution, those who disagreed with Castro tried to sneak onto other countries' embassies, uh, probably because they, like myself, watched a James Bond movie and think the embassies are like safe zone in a game of tag. Yes. It It turns out it's super not how it works. And the Cuban dissenters would beg for asylum, but would either be willingly or forcefully handed back to the Cuban police. We saw this a little bit in Colonia Dignidad, where people would go to the embassies in Chile, specifically the German embassy, and then be returned to Colonia Dignidad. Yeah. Yeah, it's because fucked up. Yeah. this was until April 1st, 1980, when a group of six Cuban nationals stole a city bus and crashed it through the fence of the Peruvian embassy in Havana. They were trying to actually drive off the island because if the bus goes below 50 miles an hour, <laughs> it's going to explode. But, you know, freedom. Yeah. No one talks about how these Cubans were led by Keanu Reeves. Yeah, no one talks about how Sandra Bullock is full-blooded Cuban. Yeah. That's she's, what it, she's not. I was going to say, first of all, hell of an April Fool's Day prank. <laughs> it's got to be. Crashing through somebody's fucking fence is awesome. 
this time was different though because for whatever reason the cuban police pursuing opened fire on the embassy and killed one person oh my god Although the one person that they killed was a Cuban police officer who was shot by his own bullet bouncing off the bus and coming back at him. What the That's fuck? pretty funny. That one fucking three stooges ass death. Come I on. I just imagine the phone call to his wife and she's like, this is a great joke, guys. Funny April <laughs> Fools. And then he's like, nah. Well, at least did he die honorably? Uh. <laughs> Ooh, but. I'm just picturing the people inside the embassy as the bus came bus came crashing through just mm. like oh see <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that was a long way for a Kool-Aid man joke but we're No oh see <laughs> Is he the pitcher or is he the liquid <laughs> We'll never know Um and what's he doing on the OC isn't the OC a reality show about the OC? No, it's a scripted show. Oh. The OC is the scripted one. The Laguna, Laguna Beach was the reality but show. But I'm just imagining like the Kool-Aid man in the OC. Like, <laughs> I don't think Charlie likes what I have to say about her hair. She thinks we're going steady. Like Misha that's... Barton's going to get fat later and this will all be sad. That was your joke? OC. You went so far for that joke, I was afraid you were going to crash into the Peruvian embassy <laughs> uh so to the peruvian embassy it really didn't matter who died nobody should have been shooting guns in the first place and so they announced that they wouldn't be handing over any of the dissenters on their premises hell yeah yeah dude, dude this fucking good on the imagine somebody crashes a bus through your fucking house and is like hey can i sleep here tonight yeah, plus, I mean... <laughs> I know. It's not their fault that Cuba only managed to produce enough sugar for one pitcher of Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> Loophole, though, they didn't specify which specific dissenters they meant. And in just five days, over 10,000 Cubans had crammed themselves onto the Peruvian embassy. And conditions were getting bad so quickly that both Peru and Cuba's governments knew that it was time for the situation to stop. And so on, and this is not a bit, I swear to God, I fucking promise, on 4-20-1980. Nice. Cuba allowed any citizen that wanted to leave to pack their shit and get the fuck out. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It is fine. Go then. It's one of the most lit things to ever happen on 420. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Can't you see? I don't want don't you, you anymore. Get out of here. You leave. <laughs> The mass migration from Cuba to America lasted for about six months and saw 125,000 refugees making their way to the Florida coast. Among them was Luis Felipe. Who would grow up to be Pitbull. <laughs> you know, did you know that Pitbull's real name is Armando? What? Yeah, Pitbull's actual name is Armando. Also, did you know I'm Pitbull? <laughs> No, the second part is a joke. The first part is real. <laughs> worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. World Flat. <laughs> Dale down flat on the flat earth. Uh, Louise lived a very long life in a very short amount of time. 
Louise's mom was a sex worker and his father was one of her clients. And by the time he was five, his mother was dead and he had to resort to panhandling and petty theft for his own survival. By the time he was nine years old, he was arrested and sentenced to prison for robbery. Oh, no. Louise found himself in and out of jail in Cuba, but he got really lucky with his last offense. Because around 1979, he was found guilty of violating the anti-loafing law. Look out, he's got a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You gotta be kidding me. I'm just thinking they're like, hands in the air, focaccia. (laughs) Focaccia. Rye, rye, rye. (laughs) Instead of die, die, die. Oh. So this qualified him to seek asylum in America the next year at the age of 19. So, oh my God. Yeah, all of that happens within 19 years. He's like a baby. Louise made his way to Chicago where he found a home within the ranks of the Latin Kings. And he even adopted a new nickname, King Blood. Because they gave it to him because he actually donated the most blood during their annual blood drive. Aww. By that, wait, wait, was it his blood or other people's blood? Um, by that, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding because they gave it to him because he's a fucking sociopath <laughs> who is not afraid to get his hands dirty, if you know what I mean. But Louise, King Blood Felipe, was destined to rise up the Latin King's ladder faster than he had expected. <laughs> which that's what we have in common because i go up ladders the normal speed but i come down them i was gonna say I was like was he gonna jump off the ladder did he have a can of monster, monster energy i can't believe i wrote that sentence and didn't see that joke coming. god damn it uh he rose up the social ladder faster than he had expected in 1984 he was convicted of a second degree manslaughter in the death of his girlfriend what? He claims that he, quote unquote, accidentally shot and killed her in a drunken struggle over his gun. So he was sent to Collins Correctional Facility in the state of New York. Hi, I'm Colin. Uh, please don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trusting you guys here. There's some cheese and crackers in the kitchen, and I've left the door unlocked. Honor system. <laughs> <laughs> Not long after he showed up at Colin's nice correctional facility, please leave five-star review, uh, a little black binder came in the mail. It was from Lord Gino and Baby King. They had sent King Blood their special edition of the Latin King's Manifesto, one with instructions on how to start your own chapter. The manifesto crowns the person who starts a jailhouse set of the gang as an Inca, which is the Quechua term for a lord or a royal person and also refers to the Incan Empire. I thought it was purely the Incan Empire. It apparently is just another term for lord or royal. Um, Inside of their prison, the Inca acts as the corona or the first crown. And this is where we see the other side of why the Latin King's organizational structure was so smart. Prison turned rank-and-file members like King Blood into full-blown leaders. And just like on the outside, the gang didn't rely solely on just one person. That means if you're one of the first new members of the Latin Kings in jail, you wouldn't come in at the bottom. You would fill up the higher positions within the chain of command. So essentially, like... 
from cults to multi-level marketing schemes to even Hollywood movies and TV, we've seen time and time again that if you give somebody a bullshit job title and make them feel special, they will do whatever it takes to make sure that you think their newfound power is legitimate. It's so brilliant, too, because, like, you know, if if you're a gang structure and you say that the only thing that matters are the people on the outside and mm-hmm. you don't let people kind of take leadership positions, then when people go inside, they feel kind of forgotten and they might, like, feel disconnected from the gang itself. They might want to, like, rat you out or, like, you know, they, they're going to lose that tie. But if you say, like, well, now you go to jail in a way you're becoming rewarded by now you get to lead everyone in jail. Now you feel more important and you feel extra loyal to this oh, thing yeah. that put you there. And that even extends farther to the members. Like I was saying, like, uh, because not everyone in a jail is stored in the same place. Like usually in jails, they separate by race normally by your own request because it's such yeah you don't want the people from like the 100 meter group with the 200 meter group (laughs) and the steeplechase people get their own block oh yeah you don't want a marathon runner against a sprinter it'll be fucking nightmare yeah but uh no so so obviously and even within there to to put smaller groups of prisoners together so they're easier to watch they're kept in different cell houses and so if you're uh one of the members there you could be the cell house leader so you would essentially be in charge of everyone in your cell block but still report to your inca so the whole thing is set up like kind of an mlm to give everyone who comes in like a fancy job title essentially but really all it does their only job in prison is to just report to the inca like they're not running business they're not doing anything yeah but it's also if you're in prison it gives you this added benefit of protection and like safety and numbers in a way because you're up against other races like the nascar (laughs) (laughs) which are a whole different race entirely that's so many swastika the nicest way to say nazi i have ever heard that's so funny and it's really interesting because much like a pinwheel, they just go in a circle. So. <laughs> exactly. But you're, you're exactly right. By 1986, most, if not all, of the Hispanic and Latino inmates at Collins Correctional Facility were members of the Latin Kings because when Hispanic and Latino people showed up, they found that they were outnumbered by established black gangs and violent white guards. Sorry, violent white NASCAR fans. <laughs> <laughs> But by banding together, they had become the dominant force within the prison's walls. Because while everyone at, like, every other established gang is basically like, we stick together, but we still report to the dude on the outside. On the inside, they can make all the decisions immediately. Right then, right there. New York law enforcement realized pretty quickly that they had a problem. And just like in Chicago, they tried to solve this problem by shipping members of the gang to other prisons around New York to thin out the membership. But as we covered last week, that just helps the gang spread faster. Uh, A great analogy would be like if somebody who is sick sneezed into your hand and to clean it off, you used your fucking face. If you were like, oh, gross, germs, blop. Gross. That's basically Yummy. what's happening. Yeah. Are we in kindergarten? Because. Just like right now, what's going on now, this is how you spread coronas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was by putting a bunch of them in a bucket and setting them on a table at a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville. But okay. Uh-huh. 
But the biggest difference between these new members and the ones that we've already covered is that most of them weren't members before they got locked up. In just a few short years, waves of Hispanic and Latino men were sent to jail and they came out as Latin kings. And they had no ties to the Chicago motherland chapters and on the outside they still looked to King Blood for direction. In 1989, when King Blood was just 28 years old, he was released from prison and found himself being hailed as the Supreme Crown of New York. And he had 2,000 gang members on the outside alone looking up to him. But again, his newfound success didn't last for very long. In 1991, King Blood was convicted of possessing stolen property and shipped up to Attica. And with their corona behind bars, the New York Latin Kings decided that they needed a new leader on the streets. Then the murders started. A Latino man was found dead on a rooftop in the Bronx. His arms were crossed and tied with black and gold beads, and he had been shot in the back of the head. Whoa. Fuck. The murder appeared to be a ritualistic execution. And then another murder happened in the same way. And then another. And then more. What? New York police were going crazy trying to figure out what, why all these men were being killed until they realized what they had in common. They were all Latin kings. The police found out where the gang had come from and decided to work with the New York Correctional Department and suddenly the pieces were falling together. All of these men were members of a gang started by a man currently sitting in a cell in Attica. Correctional officers steamed open King Blood's mail and that's when it all came together. While he had been incarcerated, Louise King Blood Felipe had been ordering his men on the outside to make an example out of anyone who broke his rules or tried to take his spot as leader. Jesus. King Russ was killed for running from a fight. King Ace was killed for accusing another Latin king for, of stealing. And King Lex was killed because he warned King Ace that there was a hit put out on him. And the list just goes on and on and on, and the murders became more twisted, violent, and public as they continued. By 1994, law enforcement had enough to start making arrests. When he was convicted in 1997, the judge at King Blood's trial told the gang leader, quote, I am someone who does not believe in the death penalty, but this is a case where if the death penalty were available, I would impose it. King Blood was given essentially a living death sentence. He was sentenced to life plus 45 years and forced to spend all of that time in solitary confinement, only being allowed to receive letters and very, very rare visits from his lawyer and one ordained priest and technically his very close family. But remember, he doesn't have any. That's, I mean... That is a fate word. Like solitary, yeah. you're for the rest of your life. That's even the guards. Insane. Even the guards won't talk to him. They've said. Damn. The man who took over the New York Latin Kings in 1997 was 31 year old Antonio King Tone Fernandez. King Tone was born in Brooklyn in 1966, and his father was a bread delivery man, which would have been illegal in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> no loafing. <laughs> Sliced and, is okay. <laughs> I guess technically it was just a loaf distributor. So yeah, mm -hmm. less time. Uh, and his mother was a 
deeply religious woman who believed in God so much that she reportedly had never smoked a single cigarette or had a drink of alcohol in her entire life. I don't think my mom's ever smoked a cigarette. He spent his childhood in a comfortable single family home. He had some of the best grades of his entire class and he was so good at baseball that most of his friends joked that they only stuck around to watch him play for the Yankees. But all of that changed when he tried crack cocaine. No. He fell in love with the drug, the taste, the mint that numbs your tongue, the rush of hitting the pipe and feeling the toxins seep deep into your body. Jesus, don't sell it to our listeners. (laughs) This sponsor is crack cocaine. (laughs) You buy it when you want it and then you fall asleep in the tub. (laughs) Get at us, crack. (laughs) He joined a gang to be closer to his suppliers and resorted to crime to feed his addiction. He even once pawned his own mother's wedding ring just to cop a hit. When King Tone was 19, he was arrested for possession of narcotics and sent to Rikers Island. Here he was indoctrinated into the Latin Kings. And for King Tone, it was one of the best things that ever happened. Kingism brought him back to Jesus and also helped him get clean, which he is still to this day. When he was released, he stayed in the gang in order to keep himself accountable for his sobriety. And as King Blood had done in Chicago, he worked his way up the social ladder uh, until he was the personal bodyguard of New York's second crown, King Teardrop, named for his kind heart and love of poetry. And and not <laughs> not the people he had killed? No, it was super the people he okay, killed. Okay, yeah, okay. Oh, no. But he did write poetry about him. Mm. Bang, bang, you dead. A haiku. <laughs> that, no, it doesn't fit at all. Uh, But unlike King Blood and King Teardrop, Antonio King Tone Fernandez didn't want power over the streets. While they had focused primarily on the Latin King Manifesto's rules and instructions, King Tone focused mainly on the origin story and the religious aspects. I think it's a good time to look at the differences between two of the big groups that came out of the Chicago pattern that we've covered before. I'm not sure if you remember, but in the 1950s, before he started the Imperials, King Papo had been a member of a gang called the Young Lords. But in the late 90s, the Young Lords and the Latin Kings were perceived by the public as being wildly different. The Latin Kings are considered a gang, while the Young Lords are listed as a civil rights organization. They had transcended their own origins. At the pivotal point when the Latin Kings took cartel influence and turned into a crime syndicate, the Young Lords worked with groups like the Black Panthers and became focused around the need for mass education, community improvement, and conflict resolution. So instead of killing each other, they would sit down and work it out together peacefully. King Tone read about King Papo's mission and ideals and decided that Lord Gino, Baby King, and King Blood had turned the group into something evil. He knew that the only way to make a change was to assume power and reform the Latin kings. Following King Blood's life sentence in 1997, Antonio King Tone Fernandez spoke to a sea of young Hispanic and Latino men, all dressed in black and gold, and gave his first decree as the Supreme Crown of New York. Quote, it's time for a fresh start, time to change so they can't ever hold our pass against us anymore. King Tone dubbed his new group the Almighty Latin King and Queen Nation, now allowing Hispanic and Latino women to become equal members of the gang. And there's actually an interesting statistic that Andrea has told me about 
allowing women into your workplace. Yeah, fun fact, uh, they did studies and just including one woman in every workplace can reduce workplace accidents so significantly that a lot of like car plants, people that produce and manufacture vehicles Mm -hmm. started doing that because women essentially just aren't here for your bullshit and they will tell you about it. So, and they just also found that men behave better around women than they do around just other men. It is historically part of the reason why those firefighters from the first episode were so fucking buck wild. I forgot that that's where this started. Yeah. It's hard to see that connection. That's true. Also, I work in an office that is 60% women and Mm -hmm. we have free string cheese. Oh my God. Well, in 1997, the Latin Kings operated a free string cheese policy. Oh, no, yes. I'm, I'm completely kidding. Preach. <laughs> I'm uh, the safety person at my workplace. Uh, so if you want to know how that one, one woman rule is going, that's what's up. Hit her up. Having calm, level-headed leadership is what King Tone was all about. In addition to allowing women into the gang as, again, full equals... He also replaced the appointment method with actual elections. Soon, most of the Latin king's crowns were young, educated, and had no criminal record. These new leaders made amendments to the Latin king's manifesto, including removing death as a punishment for the group's members. Instead, if someone violated the rules, they would just be kicked out. And that was it. Also, breaking the rules wasn't the only way to leave now. Previously, the Latin kings had a blood-in, blood-out mentality meaning you were jumped into the gang and the only way you were not in the gang anymore is if you fucking died. Yikes. Instead, King Tone implemented an open door policy that allowed the group's members to leave freely and return if they wanted to without any consequences, physical or otherwise. They could also still attend church or the group's meetings if they wanted to. Your level of involvement was completely up to you. Aww. Within a year, King Tone's nation quickly gained legitimacy among other political movements. When Lolita Lebron, a member of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, gave a demonstration in front of the United Nations, she appointed the almighty Latin kings and queens as her security force. Rafael Cancel Miranda, a Puerto Rican political refugee, was known to frequent their monthly meetings at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in West Harlem. And even prominent Puerto Rican activist Adelpha Vera had great things to say about the group, including, quote, These kids are hope for our liberation struggle. I can die in peace because we have found continuation. King Tone's reformation of the group spread beyond New York. In Spain, Puerto Rico, and even right here in California, the group is accepted by the government as a legitimate political activism outfit. And that's exactly what he wanted. Here's a quote by King Tone talking about the almighty Latin king and queen nation. Quote, I know what it is to have a brother with his hands in his pockets and I'm hurting him. But the thing that always made me different was I was a cheater when it came to hurting my brother. I'm hitting him and I'm looking at the guy like, please act like it's hurting. I had my morals. I had to work my way up. I had to take it over. Otherwise, this would have never happened. Fucking history would have never been made. Believe me, they talk about the fucking young lords. Wait till they talk about the kings 20 years from now. It's a revolution. They'll look at us and say, ain't none of you from broken homes and you're out of jail? Why are you a Latin king? And we'll say, because my father was a king. End quote. So sweet. Really is. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, this story doesn't really have an ending, at least not a concrete one, not one that I can point to and say, well, that's when the group was finished. The Latin Kings still exist as both a violent street gang run by Lord Gino, and they exist as the almighty Latin Kings and Queens and still operate with a small sense of legitimacy. If you press me to find a, mes- a message or a-, a lesson from this series, I'd tell you to look at the reason for the gang's existence. Through the last three episodes, we've really seen one weird thing stand out that contributes to the gang's origins each time. Sugar! (laughs) Think about it. Both times the gangs was founded by immigrants, their plight revolved around sugarcane. Is the reason for their existence racism, segregation, and hate? Yes, definitely. But none of that would have kicked off without sugar. And that's why I blame the Latin Kings on America going crazy over that sweet white stuff. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Follow the money. Like Taffy. Sugar burden. (laughs) (laughs) That was very good. Thank you. And this brings us to the end of our series on the Latin Kings. That was so good with such an unexpected ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's that's kind of what I meant about wanting to try and like show you that it started as something good. It ended up being something really, really, really bad for a very long time. And then other people came and found the little things that King Papo had sprinkled out throughout the manifesto, saw that, saw what he was trying to do, and brought it back to that at the end. That's oh, This is a really good series. I learned so much, and I love that you incorporated the historical aspects into it, because I, like for me, when I know the context... I like I I truly believe that a lot of the stuff that happens it happens in this time because of these other events going on. Yeah, of course. So it's so nice that you tie those things together because it really helps us to understand how these groups form. That's what I like doing, and and a lot of it isn't. I've had I talked to somebody in San Diego uh, while I was there. Which uh, first of all, I just want to say this: if any of you have ever listened to the show and you see me in public and you're like, "Oh, I really want to talk to that guy," but I feel like it would be weird. It's super not. You can definitely just 100% walk up to me. You know what I don't love though is when you look at me from across the room like you're <laughs> going to fucking stab me for an entire comedy show, and then you come over later. But I talked with them about it. And I was like, "It's totally fine. You just come over anytime. I'm nobody." <laughs> Yeah, no, for real. Exactly. Um, but I was talking to somebody and they were like, yeah, you're just like, the way your brain works to go about that. And I was like, it's not because I'm smart. It's because I see something. I'm like, but why? And then I just keep digging down that hole like a child, like a three-year-old when they're just like, but why? But why? But why? Or is it? Or, or is, is it, it flat? Is it round? Or is it flat? Yeah, I can't believe anyone would call, anyone who listens to the show would call me smart while I take pro flat earth stances. Um, yes. Uh, so like we mentioned earlier, uh, our sponsor for this episode is crack cocaine. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, uh, Jeez, unfortunate no. is, yeah, it's bad. It's crack bad cocaine stuff. colon. It rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Just for good. It um, works on two levels. I like it. I right. mean, not crack. I'm sure I would, but I don't. Maybe. Cause I haven't tried it yet. Yet. Don't do crack. Hey, everyone, listen. Hey, this is a very special episode of Cult Podcast. Crack kills. It does. Do you remember? This was like a couple elections ago. You're probably too young. You might remember where 
there was a commercial where it was Sarah Silverman and she was like, hey guys, crack kills. And it was like, no, this is a commercial about voting. And she's like, oh, hey guys, voting kills. (laughs) (laughs) I I do remember that. (laughs) I did just watch uh, an episode of Last Week Tonight where John Oliver played uh, a sheriff's advertisement. I was going to ask if you watched it because it's all about the county sheriff this week. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's very good. Really great. But they show a sheriff's anti-drug uh, ad where he's at a little boy's funeral who yes. took a hit of a drug is how they explain it and he's watching the funeral possess- pr- processions go by like the car with the casket and shit in it and he looks at it and he looks at the camera and he goes please talk to your kids about drugs and then he <laughs> looks back at the cars moving again and then he looks yeah. back at the camera and goes talk, talk to, to your, your kids, kids about drugs <laughs> and then Rob Corddry makes a special appearance as oh, yeah. a sheriff it's great it's that's so amazing. very it's fun very highly recommend uh in addition to crack and john oliver's tv show we are also brought to you neither of those are true we are brought to you by our beautiful wonderful uh, patreon donor uh, we have a patreon at patreon.com slash cult podcast uh you can go there and for just five dollars a month you get access to our bonus show the speculation zone noise we have another episode coming out uh, i believe this it week. should be this week yeah and uh and then uh yeah also what you get for five dollars a month is you get uh you get a shout out on our main feed show yay yeah and so this week's episode is brought to you in part by Erin Rumsey being Ooh. real brave, putting her name in these streets. Ooh, Erin Rumsey. That Thank sounds you. like a good, Thank that sounds like you, a Aaron. fancy cocktail. It does. Can I have an Erin Rumsey and a Pimm's cup, please? <laughs> mm. And Erin Rumsey is uh, whiskey, Coke, and then 10 million tons of <laughs> Cuban sugar. <laughs> no rum, though. No rum. Oh, damn. That was in the name. I'm a fucking idiot. What? Yeah, that's what I was supposed to say. Anyway, thanks, Aaron Whiskey. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that you're not my bartender. Uh, <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Laura Tenhundfeld. Wait, Tenhundfeld? It sounds like you're trying to say Tenhundfeld. This one came comes to us from Lauren Tenhunnet, because she always keep it Tenhunnet. 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 She gives it Tenhunnet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Thanks, Lauren, Lauren. Tenhunnet. Uh, this one comes to us from uh, Stephen, and Stephen says, <laughs> uh, just going to say you can use my full name, and the message I want to put out there is a joke. What is the difference between an old decrepit public transit center and a lobster with titties? One is a crusty bus station and the other is a busty crustacean. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steven, that's pretty good. These (laughs) R-rated popsicle sticks are out of control. (laughs) It really hurts when it pinches its own nipples. (laughs) That's why they've got the rubber bands. They call her vice tit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. I had no jokes in this episode, but I came back for that one. (laughs) Don't be so shellfish. Bring those pinchers over here. (laughs) Crustacean me horny. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is my own personal shell. Be be careful. Use protection. Don't catch crabs. (laughs)
Uh, they also say, also, you don't have to read this on the show if you don't want to. But Too I was late. Speaking, already did it. I was speaking to Armando a little while ago, and you guys are all welcome to come and get the best street tacos you've ever had with me and my fiance if you're ever in the northern San Diego area. I'm in San Diego the first week of April. Hell yeah, dude. I'm always in San Diego. Uh, I love tacos so yes. goddamn much. Yes, I, I will do. come get tacos with you. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Hey, I'm going to say, if you want to send me ooh, a loaf, a loaf of, and that could, that could, that's, you know what? Open-ended. A loaf of bread, a loaf of money, a meatloaf, an album by meatloaf. <laughs> Any of these are Specifically acceptable. bad out of hell. A neutral loaf? A neutral loaf. neutral loaf. Um, your son who just loafs around all the time. Loafers. Don't send us your children. Send us your child. We don't have room for them, honestly. (laughs) That's the biggest problem. Where's he going to sleep? The toilet? No. Uh, well, if enough people send me loaves of stuff, we'll make a bed out of loaf. (laughs) A loaf bed? Loaf bed. And then he can loaf, uh, with the bed, I guess. I don't know. This got weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Send me your favorite loaf or pictures of your favorite loaf. Um, you can do that. Skin carb. Oh, skin carb. Nut loaf. <laughs> yeah, send me nut loaf. Send me a loaf of bread made, of, but you replace the the water with cum. Anyway, gross. Yeah, that's the active yeast. Anyway, <laughs> there's okay if there's yeast in it, there's something wrong. But that would be protein added, which would make it an enriched dough. Are you saying that it would be good nut bread? <laughs> Probably be a little salty. Super nut bread. Uh, yeah. Send me send me your nut. At uh at Mondo Does Stuff on Twitter and Instagram. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. Uh, you can also go to my website and see show dates. But I mean, really, honestly, just check Instagram. Oh, if you're in uh Los Angeles on the twentieth, come see me be on TV or on a TV. I guess come to the taping uh or don't if you don't want to. I really it's up to you. You can do whatever you want, and I love all of you. Bye. Hey, guys, if you are in Philadelphia, you can go to Arch Enemy Arts right now and see my paintings, unless it's midnight or like late at night or like maybe a Monday, but you break probably in. go. Yeah, <laughs> break in. It's use great. A, use a brick and smash the window, or as I call it, a stone loaf. <laughs> <laughs> New brick. Who did? <laughs> you can also, uh, in a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, in a couple of yeets, in a couple of weeks, I'll be at uh, Gristle gallery in new york city i'll have some art up there i won't be there but my art will and it's cool and you should check it out so there's birds it's gonna be like a whole bird menagerie it's Burbs. march 28th bird life opening it's gonna be pretty sweet so you can check that out you can follow me on all the things at sundress comic or check out my art on instagram at andrea gazetta Woo. oh also we just found out yesterday that andrea's art was featured in create magazine the physical copy yay yeah i didn't know that i didn't know that at all because i didn't see any of the 10 emails they sent me <laughs> asking if it was okay that they published my stuff so yeah it's in there and it's pretty great yeah. uh and armando's face is in there and it's really cool it is if you're near distributor go to get yourself a copy or order one online uh okay i've been kissed by a rose it's been stuck in my head uh you should go on america's got talent <laughs> I've, sh- I've been technically very close to getting on as a comedian thrice mm. here's the thing you should go on as a singer 
But every time you sing a song, you just change all the words to make it a joke. <laughs> uh, the the last, well, the first time I went, I had to actually sit in a waiting room with people instead of just going to meet with producers. And I had to sit near a group of girls that were going to sing and they were all singing in the waiting room. So I was singing to pass time. And this girl was like, you're really good. I was like, oh, thank you. And then they were like, comedians? And I was like, bye. And they were like, <laughs> you're not here to sing? And I was like, I'm not good enough to sing on this show. And then I just walked away, uh, not realizing that I had crushed their dreams. Um, if you didn't find that story horrifying, I am in Flapper's main room. Ooh. On the 15th, I checked it online the other day. And I was like, oh, did we move? I don't know. Main room on the 15th. Uh, I am at the DNA Comedy Club in Santa Cruz on the 21st. I thought you were going to say the DMV. <laughs> I was like, don't announce that. I'll be at the DMV on the 28th when my tax return comes in Hell to yeah. re-up my car registration. Oh, God. And then on April 7th, I am at the La Jolla Comedy Store in lovely La Jolla, California. Are you doing Jordan's show? Yes, I am. Oh my gosh. It's such a fun show to watch. Yeah. If you are in San Diego, go watch it. It is a all-women comedy show mm -hmm. and it is amazing for the scene and also they're bringing in all of these hilarious comedians. It's mm -hmm. such an amazing show. And Street Tacos. And Street Tacos. <gasps> yeah, because it's right next uh, right near uh, Don Carlos. do it. Um, but yeah, and then on Wednesday is Black Card Rehab, mm -hmm. the other show I am on for I think three or four more weeks till the end of the season uh, but it's been super fun so far nice so, yeah that sounds great yeah go check mm -hmm. that out um oh yeah oh shit if you're in Ontario tomorrow I'm gonna be at the Ontario Improv I forgot about that go uh come out that's tomorrow <laughs> yeah I forgot about it good job baby I just remembered um so proud yeah so tomorrow I'm gonna be at the Ontario Improv uh come out to that I forgot you can find the rest of the show dates on Instagram, but that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've completely forgot about it. I'm really glad I remembered. <laughs> that would have been so bad. Um, for this show, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also follow us in email form. I don't think that's how it works. You can email us at Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com you can yeah and um, then you can you can send stuff like nut loaf to our p.o box if at, you make fresh baked nut loaf mm -hmm. <gasps> with nut in it and i mean like i mean nut please don't <laughs> please don't put semen in our food um, i didn't ask for semen i asked for nut no difference yes. No difference, but if you have non-seminated foods... You can send it to our P.O. Box at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Oh, and I was going to say, if you haven't joined the Facebook group or the Cult Podcraft Crafting Facebook Hell group, yeah. the crafting which is Facebook so group fun right fun. now... Get on it. We are sharing crafts and we are sharing joy. Very much. Very yeah. much so. Also, if you uh if you're listening to this, uh what's what's uh uh Black Card Rehab's uh social media stuff? <laughs> At Black Card Rehab. There you go. Funny how that works. I know. <laughs> that was very easy. good. Yeah, yeah. You would be surprised at how many podcasts have terrible social media. I handles. know, I know. It was one of those things where when people ask us about our podcast, they're like, What's it called? I was like, Cult Podcast, and they're like, Really? And I'm like, It wasn't taken. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you believe it? 
uh, go check out that show and go follow them on social media because honestly, this stuff helps out so much. And yeah, she's posting fire memes too. Yeah, dude, go mm. get on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna say, don't drink Mountain Dew because it's like 10 million, million pounds tons? of sugar. Yeah. By the way, 10 million tons too. Not even pound, like tons. It's so much. That's why for the old Castro had so much acne. <laughs> You couldn't tell because of the beard? <laughs> exactly. That's why he had the beard. Same. To hide all of his Mountain Dew acne. Mm. It all makes sense. Follow the money. <laughs> Hallie Beardton. <laughs> <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.